0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. As always, with me is my co-host, Ethan Carbone, and then a special guest joining us tonight, Matt Skura, another member of the Unwrapped Sports Network, one of our best contributors over there. Um, How are you guys doing tonight? Let's start with Ethan. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Excited to, you know, wind up these these win totals for uh the conferences. SEC's are our last conference that we're gonna be going through um before, you know, seasons start getting on un- getting underway. Week zero is coming up um in about a week or so. So that's exciting. But, you know, we're looking forward to it. Football is right around the corner, guys. I'm pumped. And Matt, how are you, brother? Well,
1: I'm doing great. You know, it's always good to be talking about college football. Like you mentioned, Caleb, it's always around the corner. Week zero coming up soon. Definitely going to be some big games to look forward to week one. You know, just excited about that. And I'm also excited to be back on uh, Saturday standouts. It's been a while since I've been on here, and I'm excited to talk some college football.
0: Yes, sir. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to be going over, like I mentioned earlier, SEC preview and win totals. Sorry, guys, got a bit of a cold going on. So if I'm coughing or whatever, I'll try to mute myself. But SEC win totals. Um, So we're going to to SEC East. Then in the SEC West, um, SEC, you know, a bunch of things are going to be changing with them. Most likely heading here into the future with the possibility of Oklahoma and Texas moving into the conference and super confidence possibly becoming a thing. Um, But that's not happening yet, so we're just going to stick with the SEC teams we know now. And with that being said, we're just going to jump into it, guys. First off, we got the SEC East, and we'll start off with the Florida Gators. Ethan, go ahead take it away for us.
2: All right, starting off, over-under of nine even, and the under negative 125. Very interesting team, this Florida team. Dan Mullen, me, Matt, and Caleb were talking before the show. He's screwed if Florida doesn't get the over here or at least hit nine wins. I kind of agree with you, Matt, in the fact that Mullen's fired if this Florida team doesn't succeed. And this Florida team rides on or dies on Emory Jones' back. I'm not sure how they're going to do because looking at their schedule, they have a relatively easy non-conference schedule starting off Florida, Atlantic, USF. Then throughout the year they have <clears throat> Samford and then they have Florida State. Florida State could be a tough rivalry game, but – this Florida State team's not looking great, so they should be able to go four and zero in conference play, and then throughout the season, I only really see Bama and Georgia as their two main losses, potentially Missouri as well.
1: What about definitely, you guys? definitely some great points there. I too agree with you as well, Ethan. The over/under is at nine. I feel like Dan Mullins has to reach. He has to reach nine, especially with with, with the embarrassment that that happened last year. I mean, you look at. You look at Florida; they they had some bad losses. Like they, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they they beat Georgia last year in the Florida Georgia game, right? If I'm not mistaken, so that that was kind of like their high ride going in. But they suffered one of the terrible losses. They were a six seed going up against a heavily injured LSU team at home in Gainesville, and you drop that game. That game is unacceptable to lose because if you look at if Florida would have won that game. They could have maybe snuck in at number four instead of Notre Dame at number four, but because Florida had that bad loss, and then on top of that lose to Bama in the SEC championship game, you have three losses. You're not getting in as a four seed with three losses. Maybe you can make a case with two, but it's very hard to make a case with two losses again, especially when you have that bad of a loss. That's why this year it's so important for Dan Mullins to reach that nine win mark because if he doesn't, I mean, he's he's under. If we're being honest here, with this University of Florida squad that he's had, he's underperformed a lot. Like like Dan Mullins when when he arrived at the University of Florida, he's obviously turned them around because before he got there, they they were in a bit of a slump. Like they weren't they weren't like they weren't like they were when it was with Tebow and Meyer, like in like a championship conversation, top ten conversation. They weren't like that, but once Dan Mullins got there, they kind of turned around a little bit. Turned into more of like that top 10 Florida team that we would see. Not really like a championship contender like in the past, but a team that you could see to where, hey, this team could maybe make a New Year Six Bowl. They could be in like those big name bowl games now. Well, now you look at and with college is different. And especially when you're at a big program like Florida, if you're a head coach, you got you got three, four years to prove yourself. And if you don't prove yourself, you're out the door. And Dan Mullen in his tenure in Florida, he's got some good wins. He's got some good records. But when is he going to get over that hump to get to the college football playoff? Because now it's four teams. Could expand in the future, but for right now it's at four. And you look at Dan Mullen's schedule and the University of Florida schedule, nine wins is easily, easily doable. But, it, but it's all, like like you mentioned, Ethan, all on the back of Emory Jones. Emory Jones – has to perform well. He has to do good. And that also relies on the head coach. It's different in college. And in, in the pros, you don't really need the head coach. If the quarterback is great, he could be he could lead the team without him. But in college, they heavily rely on the head coach to develop said quarterback. And you look at their schedule, Ethan's right. You only have two, maybe three tough games that you got to play against. You got you got the game against Bama, but it's home at Gainesville. And then you look at and then you look at another game that you got you got the annual Florida Georgia game in Jacksonville. And another game that I'd even possibly throw in there that could be a tough game, I would say, would be Saturday, October 16th, when they got to play LSU in Death Valley. That's gonna that's gonna be a tough game, and I mean we look at LSU last two years they played Florida. They've LSU's had their number last two years, whether it whether it be when it was Joe Burrow and the crew and they won the national championship where they picked him apart, or what happened last year when Florida was just flat out embarrassed by a Andrew Pronellus U team. You know, this is it's going to be a different Florida team because a lot of players have left. You don't have Kyle Trask anymore, you don't have Kyle Pitts, two of the main stars on offense. So it'll be interesting to see how well Florida does this season. But looking at the win total at nine games. I feel like it's an easy reach to get nine games. And if you don't, I think we could all pretty much agree. If somehow, someway Florida only wins eight games, Dan Mullen's going to be out the door.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with both of you. A lot of this hinges on how, you know, Emory Jones ends up playing the quarterback position. There's been some positive things and negative things coming out of their camp on, you know, how he's performing this far over summer heading into the fall. Um, so it's a big question mark surrounding him. He's obviously not gonna be Kyle Trask. Um, he's not gonna be as accurate with the ball, I'm not gonna be able to push it down the field as much as Kyle Trask was, especially with the weapons that Trask had. Um, you look at the guys that they lost on the offense, not only in Kyle Pitts, but Kadarius Tony and trevon Grimes are both gone as well. Um, they do get Jacob Copeland back, who's their leading returning receiver, but somebody's gonna have to step up outside of them. They do have a Very pretty, you know, good-looking running back room there with Clemson transfer Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard, who um, was coming over from Miami at some point. Um, And then their defense has a little bit of question marks, too. They're only returning four starters on that side of the ball. So they're going to have to fill in a lot of pieces here on both sides of the football. And I don't know – it's not easy to do in college unless you're, you know, Alabama or Ohio State to be able to do that year in, year out and just replace guys that leave um florida i don't know if they're going to be able to do that we haven't necessarily seen dan mullen have to do that yet so um sitting here at nine nine games um i think they go under uh they do have tough games you you talked about it bama at lsu georgia and then you could maybe even throw in you know a kentucky or florida state game that might be a little bit difficult for them as well maybe even tennessee it's always a good one too um but you know it, like you were like you said matt if if this is not a good season for Dan Mullen. His name has already been in the hot seat. The fans have already been out after him. So, um, keep an eye on Dan Mullen's name, depending on how you know their season goes uh, the rest of the year. But I, I'm going to lean here to under nine wins for Florida this year.
2: I'm probably going to go the over. I'll put my trust in Emory Jones until he loses it, just because I'm not going to be someone that hates on him right away. I haven't seen him play. We'll see what he can do.
1: Yeah, I I agree with Ethan as well. I'm I'm leaning, I'm leaning more towards the over. Like if, I I honestly feel like for Florida they're going to be 9 or 10 wins. I I don't see this team going going under. If they do somehow go under, if there would be a fourth loss, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow some way Florida State, Caleb's favorite team, former alum at FSU just goes into goes into Gainesville just play Spoiler. That would be the only way how I could see them losing that fourth game, but that that would just be one of those if all things go bad for Florida. That means if Emory Jones doesn't perform well, if the returning players just don't do well, and if Dan Mullins just doesn't get the team together. But I I would say over nine wins, you could you you could pretty much book it. But don't be shocked if they ride right at nine wins.
0: Yeah. And then um, our next team here in the SEC East, the proverbial favorite amongst everybody who, who talks and speaks college football is the Georgia Bulldogs coming in here at over or under 10 and a half games. They have to start the year off, obviously, with the Clemson Tigers. They face UAB and Charleston Southern as well as Georgia Tech out of conference. Um, but looking at that outside of those, you know, games that are non-conference games, um, play South Carolina at home, at Vanderbilt, at home against Arkansas, have to go to Auburn. At home against Kentucky, obviously that Florida game in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Home again for Missouri, head to Tennessee. What are your guys' thoughts on the over under 10.5 there for the Georgia Bulldogs, and what are we looking like in JT Daniels, you know, probably first full season as their starting quarterback?
2: Well, starting off, you have a banged-up defense, and then you have an even more banged-up wide receiver room. Earlier today, it was being announced by Josh Pate, Darnell Washington, and Ty. Tyke Smith are expected to miss three to four weeks. You have George Pickens out for the season. And then you have what the hell is happening with Eric Gilbert? That's the question I want answered. What the hell is going on there? Use homesick at LSU. Transfer. I want to be closer to home. Juco. Wait, I want Florida. Actually, I'll go to Georgia. All right, I'm away from the team now. What, what's going on there? No one knows if Eric Gilbert's going to even play college football. Like, I'm confused. Matt, any new thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, just, I look at Georgia. I look at their schedule that they have. I think depending on how they play against Clemson, that will set the tone the whole season. And, I mean, the one thing I always hate to say – is Georgia sports always find a way to let you down. I mean, you look at football, NFL-wise, we obviously know what goes on with the Falcons. <laughs> Braves last year doing a 3-1 choke job against the Dodgers. And then you and then you look at the Georgia Bulldogs. They've had ample opportunity the last couple of years to maybe make that college football push, but they always have that one bad loss. Remember the one bad loss they had against South Carolina at home? When when our when our boy Rodrigo Blakenship shanked one to the right, and then you look at and then you look at what happened, what happened last year as well. Like yeah, they won a bowl game, but they they had an opportunity to get in the top four, and they just simply couldn't couldn't get the job done. You look at how Georgia how Georgia's schedule slated this year. I will say it's very favorable. Mm-hmm. Besides the opening game against Clemson, your next toughest game isn't until close to November. Which would be like Caleb mentioned, October thirtieth, the greatest outdoor cocktail game in the world when they play Florida. And then if they and then if they win the East, most likely in the SEC championship game against Alabama, which is most likely going to be true. As much as I want to say LSU, all this and that, and you know, it's, it's gonna be Bama. You know, that's that's gonna pretty much be the real deal. But I just look at Georgia and I just wanna see how they play against Clemson, how they will play against a formidable team because this could be a college football playoff matchup. This could be a one-versus-four or a two-versus-three, and we get that previewed week one, Saturday, September 4th. But the main concern is it's at Clemson. <clears throat> if, if this were at Georgia, I'd look at a different ballgame, but it's oh, in Clemson. It's in
0: Charlotte, North Carolina, so not necessarily Clemson, but you know, it's, Cl-
1: it's- Cl- closer there, right. Cl- closer to Clemson than it is. To University of Georgia, and I, I look at it. I like, I like their over under at ten and a half. It it makes sense because you look at you look at their schedule. They this team does pretty much have ten wins, but like Ethan mentioned earlier, they are a banged up team. We don't know what's going on with Eric Gilbert, and Georgia is also known for uh, breaking their team's hearts. I mean, when they made it to the national championship game, they had a second and 26, and they let Tua Tug of Iola throw a game-winning touchdown to Devontae Smith to seal a national championship. And then the SEC championship meltdown to LSU where they just let LSU dog walk them. <coughs> it wasn't even close. It was a dog walk. And it's just, you know, th- this is the year where I want to I wanna say it's the same as Dan Mullins, where if Georgia does bad, Kirby Smarts out the door. But this will be the year where if Georgia doesn't get over the hump and get towards that top 4, Georgia fans are going to be looking at Kirby Smart and say, "How many more chances are we going to give to you, dude?" Like you had you had a chance in the National Championship game, you blew that one, but people understand cuz it's Alabama. You have Tua, you have DeVonte Smith, all this first-round talent. We could yeah. give you a we could give you a pass for losing to LSU cuz that was one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen in a long time. We give you a pass there. But what happened last year really shouldn't have been shouldn't have been an excuse. Like you should you should have been in the SEC championship game. You should not have lost to Florida in that Florida-Georgia game. You should have won that game. You should have been in that SEC championship game. That's already hit there. This year for Georgia, you have to make it to the SEC championship game. You have to make it over, you have to get over the hump because you look at that top four it's very hard and very selective, especially when pretty much the top three teams are already slayed in stone. Like you could book it for Bama. You could book it for Clemson and book it for Ohio state pretty much off the bat. That's three teams, which means there's only one more slot at that number four. And if you're Georgia, you better have a damn good convincing case to get that fourth seed. And by that, I mean, you, you better find a way to beat Clemson and you better find a way to keep it close against Bama or else you ain't getting in at number four. Just look at this Georgia team, and do they have the potential to get in the top four? Absolutely. They have the potential to get there. But can they get the job done in the big games? We know you can win the small games against the South Carolinas, against the Arkansas, against Kentucky. But can you win those games against Clemson? Can you win those games against Florida? Win those games against Alabama? That's where it's going to really count for Georgia, and that's kind of why I have them as an under – for 10 and a half. If this were at 10, I would say kind of ride the even, or maybe even go the over. But with it being at 10 and a half, I just think they're going to ride with the under, because I, I look at this Georgia team. I see two, maybe three losses. I see them losing to Clemson opening week. And uh, I may, I may even think it may be a double digit loss. I think it'll be one of those to where it's close for three, three and a half quarters. And then Clemson is just going to pull away at the end. And then you also look at – you got the game against Florida. These these two teams could be very different by the time October-November hits. One could be in a good trajectory. Another could be in a bad trajectory. We have to see when they find out if they can make it there. And then even on top of that, if you make it to the SEC championship game, you're most likely going up against Alabama – that's gonna be that's gonna be a hard out, especially when Nick Saban pretty much owns his assistants. Like almost every assistant that he's played, he has a pretty much a winning record against his assistants. So that's gonna be a hard ask there. So yeah. I'm gonna ride with the under for ten and a half for Georgia, but they have to win ten games. If you're Georgia, you can't afford to be a nine-win team. You have yeah. to win ten games and to try team. and make a case for top four.
0: And I think for the case of, of Kirby Smart, you're thinking back to Georgia when um, what's his name? Uh, Mark Rick um, was, was the head coach. You know, it's just going to be, oh, we, we get to this point, but we we can't, you know, win the big one. We can't necessarily get to the point that we want to get to. So, you you know, you like if as a Georgia fan, you don't necessarily want to be looking at Kirby Smart like you were looking at with Mark Rick. Um but besides the point, I think I think a little bit different than you here, Matt. I think Georgia wins that opening game against Clemson. Um, Clemson bringing in a freshman quarterback right off the bat in a big game. He's going to really have to prove himself. I don't know if he's ready for that. I think it'll be a good game, but I don't know if he's ready for that shining moment that is going to need to take place. JT Daniels a little bit more of a veteran guy in there for Georgia, a little bit more comfortable in the situation. Um, but a little question marks for Georgia. They're going to be missing probably – two of the top guys that on either side of the ball. So on offense, they, if you, they lost George Pickens, um their best wide receiver heading into this year to an ACL tear. So he's going to be out for the whole season. And then the question marks, like you guys spoke about earlier with Eric Gilbert, not being there, not to mention that the loss pretty much the whole back end of, of their, you know, defense with Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes in the cornerback room. And then Aziz Ojalari as well, going into the NFL. So, Little, a couple of pieces that they're going to have to, you know, try and work around, maybe play with a little depth there in the backfield instead of just playing with your stars. Um, their running back room looks good with Zamir White and James Cook. So, offense looks fine. We're going to need to see some guys step up at the wide receiver position, but I don't expect that to be a problem at a place like Georgia. Um, uh, like Ethan had mentioned, their schedule lines up pretty fairly well for them. Um, four of their six first games are at home before they have to go play Florida and Jacksonville. I am gonna lean here to the over ten and a half. I think maybe their only loss um most likely will come, you know, in that SEC championship game against Alabama and they sneak into the to the you know fourth spot there as a one loss SEC team as long as they keep that SEC championship game in respectable as a respect as a respectable loss instead of something like a double digit loss. So I'm gonna lean here to the over ten and a half.
2: I'm going under. I think ukulele kills them.
0: Okay. Well, that that's fine. Um, you guys, can, I've disagreed with both of you so far up to this point. Um, we'll keep it moving here in the SEC East, and we'll go over to Kentucky, sitting at an over or under seven wins. Their non-conference games look like University of Louisiana Monroe, UTC, the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, New Mexico State, and at Louisville. Pretty nice non-conference schedule there for Kentucky. What are your guys' thoughts on the over-under seven for Kentucky? Um, they're usually hanging probably right around there, eight wins or so. So um, it'll be interesting. They've got, you know, a, a real interesting QB battle. Will uh, Will Levi um, out of Penn State transfer? Joey Gatewood, of course, and then Bo Allen as well. So toss it around. You guys let me know what you think about Kentucky and their over-under win total of seven.
2: Well, Gatewood transferred after Levi was named a starter three days ago. So – I'm going to go
0: with Kentucky finally
2: has their guy at quarterback. They're set. So they're moving into the year about two, two and a half weeks before the year. They have their set guy. So you got Monroe is a win. Missouri's he Then Chattanooga, South Carolina are wins. Florida should be a loss, but you never know. LSU should be a win. Georgia should be a loss. Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville should all be wins. I'll go with the over for them. They have a fairly easy end to the year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Ethan as well. I, I'm gonna go with the over on the on the seven win total. I mean, I, I look at their schedule. They have a lot they have a lot of easy wins all the way until I would say the three week stretch uh, when they when you got Florida, you got LSU, and you got Georgia. Those three games right there, I think will kind of depend how Kentucky looks. Like, would I be shocked if they lose all three? No, I'm gonna be shocked if they lose all three. But if they could keep it interesting. I think the football program could be one of those where some people could look at it and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe Kentucky could be one of those teams where they may be unranked right now. But maybe by the end of the season, if they keep it close, they could maybe sneak into the top 25, maybe be like maybe be like 25 to 20 range. And then like, like Ethan mentioned, they, they close it off with a simple schedule like Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Louisville. I would easily say you go with over. They, this team right here with this schedule, you—they have—they have at least, at least I—I honestly say like eight eight wins in them. I, I would honestly say like the losses I could see, I could see them losing to Florida. I could see them losing to LSU. I for sure see them losing to Georgia. One thing is for certain: if somehow, some way, Kentucky upsets Georgia, fans are gonna be wanting Kirby Smart's head. If if Kentucky goes into UGA and they pull off a classic, a classic upset, Kirby Smart is not going to be desired in 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 Georgia. They're going to be they're going to be wanting his head because it'd be another another year, another disappointment, another failure, of failing to make the College Playoff. If that happens, will it happen? Probably not. But if it does, don't they'll, they'll say don't say I warned you. Like they 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 will be one in Kirby Smart's head if that so happens. But yeah, overall for Kentucky, over seven wins, I feel like you you could pretty much book it on that. I feel like if they don't get the over on seven wins, you may have to look elsewhere, but seven wins is a good mark for them. They could hit the over on that on that yeah, side of the front.
0: I, I agree with both of you. Um I, I like over for Kentucky. I feel like they year in, year out sit right around eight to ten, um, depending on the year. So um their schedule, they're they have a lot of home games for excuse me, yeah, four of their first five games are at home besides that visit to South Carolina, or six games, excuse me, five out of their first six games are, are at home, including those that LSU and Florida games. So um, those are big matchups for them. That three-game stretch is not easy like you were talking about, um, Matt, but overall, fairly nice schedule for them. If they come out and they start uh, 4-0 heading into, into that Florida game, they're going to have a lot of confidence coming in there and could possibly be able to spring an upset even though they are at home. They'll still probably be an underdog as long as Florida has a decent start to their season as well. Um, but I, I like the over this over seven there. They've got a lot of guys um, that are coming back on the offensive line. Josh Alley had 54 receptions last year for him. He's coming back. They also got a Nebraska transfer wide receiver and Wandell Robinson, who's supposed to be a pretty good guy as well. Um, good backfield in the run game. They have to replace a lot on defense. Um, with only four starters coming back but they've got a guy in deandre square who is going to be their leader at the linebacker position so just keep an eye on um you know the secondary and and you know some of those defensive linemen as well secondary is kind of solid um not necessarily super solid but they've got experience back there guys who have been there for a pretty decent um, amount of time so um i like i like kentucky to spring the over there as well with you guys um so i think we're all in agreement there so we'll just keep moving along and chugging along here and looking at the Missouri Tigers. They are as well sitting at an over or under seven wins. Their non-conference schedule with central Michigan, Southeast Missouri state at Boston college in North Texas. Um, five of their first seven are at home. They travel to Georgia in early November and host Florida towards the end of their schedule. And I don't know a whole lot about their quarterback, but Connor Bazelak um, will be the starter for them. So what are your thoughts on the Missouri Tigers guys?
2: Well, I mean, first off, Luther Burden decommitted from Oklahoma a couple days ago, yesterday. If you don't know who that is, that is the number one player in the state of Illinois, the number two wide receiver in the country, and the number six player nationally. Due to that, his new top two are Oklahoma and Missouri. If Missouri somehow lands him, their future is extremely bright. I just wanted to go into that a little bit just because it's not every day Missouri's in the running for a top six, top five, top whatever player in the country. But like you said, over seven, that's the kind of looking nice when you look at their non conference Because You have Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State, Boston College, North Texas. Boston College is the only team that might give them a challenge. But in reality, they should go 4 0. Tennessee's a coin flip. AM, they should lose. Vanderbilt, they should win. South Carolina, they should win. Arkansas, they should win. That's about eight games, You ever take nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. I like the over here. I mean, they might be able to go into Georgia, go into Florida, whatever. They, I could see an upset there, but I like Missouri. I like their running back a lot, Tyler Batty. He's, he's going to be one of my favorite running backs in the SEC to watch.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree with you as well, Ethan. I see the over under seven wins. I feel like they could easily hit, hit the over. Looking at their schedule, they are set up very nice. Like, their first – like, five of their first couple games, they, they are at home. I feel like their they're only toughest games, in my honest opinion, that they'll have to play. That game against Texas A&M is going to be very hard. The game against Georgia and against Florida. Like, those are all going to be – those are all going to be tough contests there for Missouri. It'll be interesting to see how they hold up against those top teams because the thing with a program like like Missouri – It's not really about like, like you win a loss record. It's about how you perform against like those big teams, how you perform against Texas A&M, how you perform against Georgia, how you perform against Florida. That's going to kind of send a message to, to like the college recruits. Like, like, like you mentioned, Ethan, one of like, one of like the top receiving prospects. If he sees this Missouri team keeps it close against teams like Texas A&M or Georgia or Florida, if he already decommitted from Oklahoma. He may look at Missouri and say, "Hey, maybe if I'm on that team, maybe we win those games, and maybe I want to go there." Because that's that's kind of what Missouri wants. Because a lot of people forget back in the day, a couple of years ago, Missouri was was one of those programs. Like they were at one point a top ten program. If you look at like five six years ago, they were in 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 the ranks as one of one of like the top programs in the SEC. Obviously, as the years go by, you know you 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 dip in performance a little bit but missouri last year they did have some solid wins remember they had they had a solid win against lsu last year or earlier in the season even though it was a banged up lsu you still have to consider it a win just because of that lsu marquee program so you look like at missouri if like i mentioned earlier if they could keep it close against those top-ranked teams if they can keep it close against AM or georgia or florida recruits are going to look at that and simply say maybe I want to dice it up maybe I want to go to Missouri maybe that could be a team to where or a program where if I could go there maybe I could help elevate that program into a program that could one day be ranked like like they were a couple years ago I believe when they had drew Locke, I think if I'm not mistaken they were they were ranked in the top 25 so maybe maybe one day they could get get there but over under seven wins agree with you they could easily hit hit the over if if they if they hit the under if they don't reach seven wins i think you might have to switch up switch up the coaching staff
0: uh i I like i think seven wins right here is the the exact number that it should be at for their over under um i I think bc is going to be a little bit of a tougher game than most think i think bc is a really good football team and you're having to play them on the road um, doesn't make it any easier, especially early on in the season uh, um, as your third game that you'll be playing because you got that by that second week. Um, but if I were to play it, I'd play the over as well. Um, I, I don't have a lot of trust in Tennessee. New head coach. Don't have a lot of trust against Texas A&M. Um, I mean, I got a lot of trust in them against Tennessee. Excuse me. Not a lot of trust against Texas A&M. Uh, Vanderbilt should be a win. Georgia lost. South Carolina should be a win. Florida, a, a loss. And then Arkansas, a win. So – um, you know, at most, you could see them losing four games, I believe, just looking at their schedule, and that puts them right at eight. So uh, I agree with you guys. I don't know a whole lot about their quarterback or a lot about, you know, their their team as a whole. I do know their offensive line returns four starters, um, and that's huge. You know, keeping that continuity across the offensive line is huge for any team, no matter what conference you're in or no matter what team you're in. So that bodes well for them. If everyone stays healthy, it um, they, they should be looking good. Defense returning a lot of depth as well. So. I'm going to lean here to the over uh, with Missouri, even though I don't know a whole lot about their team. Their schedule lines up pretty nicely for them. Um, and that. with that being said, we'll move on to our next SEC East team, and that's going to be the South Carolina Gamecocks sitting here at over under three and a half um, wins. They're out of conference games. are Eastern Illinois, ECU, Troy, and Clemson. Um, their QB battle they got going on, Luke Dottie, Jason Brown, and Colton Gautier. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these Gamecocks. So um, your guys' thoughts. Their schedule doesn't necessarily look like it's all that easy for them. So um, Ethan, what are your thoughts, man?
2: I mean, only game I see that they could potentially be a guaranteed win on their schedule would be Vanderbilt. Is Eastern Illinois one of the better FCS programs? Eastern Carolina potentially could make a run in the CUSA. For America, I don't know why I'm blanking. What conference they're in, and then you got Troy, who has been one of the better teams in the Sun Belt the past decade. Obviously, they're on a fall, but you never know. This is a Troy team that's being uh, LSU team, so just to take a little shot, at Matt.
1: Mm-hmm. That was and, that was you know like three four years ago, but yes, it, it did was.
2: Happen. But that at that point, I was considering Troy in my college options, so I liked it, but. I don't see them winning any SEC game but Vanderbilt. So I'm going to go with under here. I don't think they can win any more than two of their conference games.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I agree with you as well, Ethan. I just look at the schedule and, yeah, pretty pretty much good to ride with the under. I think it's going to be very hard to pick out three wins. I mean, you look at Vanderbilt, I could I could see – you know, maybe against Troy I could see, maybe Eastern Illinois. and yeah, that, that's, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's very bleak. I mean, especially when – now, they, they do have some big teams. And, and if you're big teams watching this, you better not embarrass yourself against South Carolina because the community going to look at you and easily pick you out. Don't matter if you have one loss. They're going to look at that one loss and say, you really lost to South Carolina? But, like, could you imagine, look at this, like, they play a fifth-ranked Georgia, 6th ranked AM, <coughs> 13th-ranked Florida, and a third-seed Clemson. If one of those teams somehow loses to South Carolina, you could pretty much book them out of the college football playoff. You ain't getting in the college football playoff when you got a loss against South Carolina. I don't care if you only have one loss and you're a conference championship winner. They're going to look at you and say, boy, you lost to South Carolina. You don't even belong here. I don't care that you won the national – I don't care that you won your conference championship. You lost to South Carolina. They barely got three wins. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, like if you look at – if you look at, like, for example, if somehow they get – if somehow they upset Clemson, Clemson's schedule is – they don't have a lot of tough games besides maybe Georgia. If the Clemson somehow goes undefeated but their one loss is to somehow South Carolina – you're not getting a college football playoff for you're Clemson. I don't care that you have Davos Sweeney as your head coach. You're not going to persuade the college football playoff when they already have a hard out on Clemson already just because the ACC itself is a weak conference. like It's one thing like if it's a SEC, a powerful, tough conference, you have one loss. Depending on the team, they might give you a pass. But if you're Clemson, the ACC, and you somehow lose to South Carolina, you could pretty much kiss the top four goodbye regardless of if you win the ACC championship game just because – your one loss really is to South Carolina. We we're gonna keep Georgia out, whose only loss is to Bama. But your loss is the Clev- is to South Carolina. Come on, like that's that's just the worst case scenario. But in all honesty, South Carolina, you have no expectations. Your over/under three and a half. If you hit the over, great. Will we be shocked if you hit the under? No. So it's just sit back, relax. If you're a college kid, drink a couple beers, tailgate, enjoy it and, and enjoy the show and see how long it will take for your team to get blown out by one of these good schools like Georgia. Maybe you can make a bet with your buddies and say, I give this team a quarter to keep it in the ball game. <laughs> and if you lose a quarter, then bam, take a shot.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, the only positive piece here for South Carolina is their running back, Gavin Harris. Uh, dude's... <clears throat> pretty damn good uh so hand the ball off to him on every single play he probably deserves 60 touches a game considering you don't know what that you're going to do at quarterback and none of these guys are going to do anything Um, the best second he's definitely the second best running back in the sec so it, it it's hard to look at the schedule and be like four games you can win um it's hard it's hard to do that i agree i'm gonna go with you guys in the under three and a half here it's probably not the popular pick i'm sure people are like oh you you know you just look at schedule eastern illinois east carolina and troy those are three easy wins and then vanderbilt an easy win too and put them at four but i don't think that's the case starting off the year uh it's it's going to be interesting if they get those first two wins um then that's good for them you know going forward moving forward and until they play georgia but We'll see if they drop one of those, which I fully expect them to. So um, with, that, with that being said, I, I'm going to lean here to the under with y'all, and then we'll keep it moving because there's not a whole lot that we need to keep going on with South Carolina. And that brings up our second-to-last team in the East in Tennessee, sitting at over or under six. Obviously, new head coach Josh Hubel coming in from UCF with the outing of Pruitt. Um, They're non-conference schedule, Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech, and South Alabama. QB battle we got working in Harrison Bailey versus um, Joe Milton, obviously the transfer from Michigan and Virginia tech transfer, and Brian Mauer for quarterback race there in Tennessee. What are your guys thoughts on the over under six there for the university of Tennessee?
2: I must to say straight up, they're going under. I think that they beat Bowling Green. I think Pitt is tough. I'll give it to Pitt though. This is Pitt. We're talking about they've had, they have a very solid producing team. Tennessee Tech, it's embarrassing if you lose two, so that's two wins there. Florida, Mizzou, you're you're going to lose. All right, South Carolina, that's three. Ole Miss, all right, I'll give it to you four. Bama, Kentucky, Georgia, nope. I have you losing to South Alabama, and I'll give them Vanderbilt. That's five wins. I think that South Alabama is going to be just a random team to upset them. I love the Sun Belt. I have Sun Belt. Bias, kill me. We'll go South Alabama over Tennessee, and Tennessee doesn't make a bowl game.
1: Hmm. Ethan makes a compelling argument, and, and I'll be honest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame him. I mean, I, I, I personally agree. I can see them going under six. You have a new head coach. You have a new head coach in there. You have not only one quarterback battle. you got four quarterbacks
0: bowling two, two, two of them who are transfers who are coming in and expecting to probably start
1: exactly two of them being transfers it's going to be hard to balance it out between those and then you have yeah and then you have tough opponents you got to match up against you got to go at gainesville at the swamp in september you then got to go to alabama the top ranked team in the nation and then on top of that you got to play host to the university of georgia in mid-November, and Georgia is probably going to be rolling in peak shape because they're probably going to try to make their case to be a top-four team in all college football. It's not going to be good for Tennessee. I do think they could maybe bounce back next year when the head coach has a first year under his belt, and maybe they have their solidified quarterback at hand. But as for right now, the under of six I would say is pretty pretty favorable – It would make sense, especially with all the new guys involved, four QBs trying to battle that same position and two of them being transfer students. It's going to be tough to see. It's going to be a tough year, once again, for the Tennessee Volunteers, but patience is key, and, you know, you just have to wait another year and maybe one day you'll make it back to a bowl game. But this year will
0: not be the year. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you guys. Under six, new head coach coming in. Although that should improve the offense, Josh Hupel, much better offensive-minded coach than than Jeremy Pruitt was or is. Um, so the offense should be better than it has been in the past, but their schedule does not make it any easier for them. Um, like you said, that Pittsburgh game, I think they lose, even though it's at home. Um, and the rest of their schedule at Florida, Arizona, At Missouri, rough stretch there, both away games. South Carolina should be a win. I think they lose to Ole Miss. I think uh, the lane train has got things rolling there at Ole Miss. Bama, hard to. Luckily, you get a bye after that before heading to Kentucky, which you should still probably lose. Georgia, and then two wins to end out the year against South Alabama. and Vanderbilt, sitting somewhere around four to five wins, I think, for Tennessee next year until they can start building some momentum on the recruiting trail and everything else. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, we'll see if Josh Hubel can get it going in his second year. Um, but this first year is going to be quite the bit of a struggle for him. So I'm going to ride with the under six with you guys. And that leads us into our last team. This one can be pretty quick since I'm sure not a lot of us know a whole lot about what Vanderbilt is doing. <laughs> um, so over under three games for the University of Vanderbilt, or Vanderbilt University, excuse me, non-conference against ETSU, Colorado State, Stanford, and Connecticut. Um, they have an odd schedule for their first five at home followed by two on the road and three at home with back-to-back road games to close out the season. Um, The quarterback is Ken Seals. Don't know a whole lot about him. New offensive coordinator and David Ra has NFL experience, um, but he's going to have his work cut out for him. You know, it's Vanderbilt and you're in the SEC. So best of luck. So um, quick thoughts here on Vanderbilt over three or under three.
2: I mean, the better question would be, it should be, why is it this high? Like, I'm getting one win, ETSU, if that. Connecticut's back playing football, but they still have a decent team. Stanford, Stanford, Colorado State's Colorado State. Neither of which are phenomenal teams, but this is Vanderbilt we're talking about. It should be over under one and a half, if we're being completely honest with you. Maybe even .5 over under. I'll take under easily. I bet my house on it.
1: Yeah, I agree with Ethan as well. I, I go with the under as well. Uh, I don't. I don't see. I don't see a lot. A lot of winnable games. I mean, yeah. their only. Their only highlight last year was bringing in Sarah Fuller, and that was it. That was
0: legit the only highlight you could talk about for Vanderbilt last year. Yeah, got to got to make noise somewhere else outside of actually playing.
1: Yeah, football. you 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 have to make a noise somewhere else. This is the SEC. In my honest opinion, Vanderbilt don't even belong in the SEC. They need to leave the conference and just move somewhere else ASAP, please. Because it's almost, it's almost like you're bringing SEC a bad name, a bad rep. Yeah,
0: it's an automatic win if you're an SEC team, pretty much. It's yeah, it, it,
1: it, it it's like it, it's almost like when a pitcher goes to bat in the National League, like an easy out, guaranteed out. Unless if it's Jacob Degrom, then you might have some problems because Degrom could hit but but besides that, for the most part, Vanderbilt under three and a half, I'm even shocked they gave him three. I thought for sure, if you were a bet gambling site, you'd give them two. and even two is asking price, maybe. But you look at over under three, yeah i'm'm I'm, I'm putting it under, like Ethan said. now I want to put a house on it but I, I i'd put i'd put a good sum of money on the under three because you're gonna make a profit
0: yeah it would be it would be i think it would be nice sitting at three and a half because then it would be an easy under for me to take because I think three is right on the line I think they do get three wins uh I think east Tennessee state they win and then um i think they they beat South carolina somehow some way i i, I have more trust in the Vanderbilt squad than I do south carolina squad I have no reason why to tell you that but I just don't have a lot of trust in south carolina right now and then maybe um, that game against UConn so I, I would put them right around three wins so I think they break it even but uh it's you know since it's sitting at three you can't really do much so I would say um go under here as well and we're gonna pick that up here we're gonna pick up the the pace a little bit more here heading into the west um and we're gonna start with the best team in, in, in the SEC west um over, under, 11 and a half wins for the university of Alabama. Obviously they start the game in Atlanta against Miami or the season, excuse me, play Mercer Southern Miss and New Mexico state at a conference, Bryce Young coming in to be the quarterback. Now making seven figures off of endorsement deals and everything like that. Um, Offense got a lot to work around with three starters and, you know, lost a ton of talent as well as their offensive coordinator and Steve Sarkeesian. Um, Bryce Young obviously has some huge shoes to fill in the quarterbacks that He's replacing over the past three or four or five years or so. Um, but he's still got John Mechie and Slade Bolden to help him out. Um, good tight end there in Billingsley. So um, offensive line going to need to be restacked. Defense sustained. Um, uh, uh, some fewer losses, but they lost uh, Barmore, certain and Dylan Moses, obviously. But it's Alabama. It's going to be Alabama. So 11 and a half wins. What are your guys' thoughts?
2: I'm going to go the over just because, like you said, it is Alabama. Only two, only one game I could see them losing is A&M. And that's, that's really, uh, that's just if Bama screws up. Like there's no other reason that Bama should lose a game.
1: Yeah, 100% agree with you, Ethan. Over 11 and a half, pretty simple. Their, their only toughest game is against A&M, but that's, only because it's on the road. I mean, last time they played each other, Bama pretty much kicked AM's ass by like 28 points. Basically sent sent Jimbo Fisher to the grave. Well, not not actually to the grave. He's a good head coach. But I'm just saying that that game, you just put the hammer on and basically showed him who's boss. And I mean you look at and I mean look at, yeah, they play LSU, but this ain't 2019 LSU. This is uh 2021 LSU, and it's it's gonna be bad. Now, will I say it was as bad as last year when Bama pretty much mollywopped them like 55 to maybe like 10? No, I don't think it'll be that bad, but it's still going to be double digits. I wouldn't be shocked if LSU lost by like two scores. And then, I mean, I would say if there would be a team that could somehow shock Bama, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Auburn just because of the Iron Bowl, you always have crazy shenanigans that happen, and it always seems like whenever it's in Auburn, crazy stuff can't go down. You Look at the, the kick six happen at Auburn, and then you look at two years ago, Bama had a chance again in the college ball playoff, and their kicker pulled the double doink, pulled a doink, doink a kick. They lose the game because of it. Obviously, Ethan has flashbacks whenever you see a uh, field goal hit the post, but for the most part, you know, over under 11 and a half easily hit the over. Only loss I can maybe see Alabama is either in the semifinals or in the championship game, and that's about it.
0: Yeah, um, I'm kind of conflicted here. I think there's three games that you have to look out for. Um, obviously, that first game against Miami, a little bit more talent, not talented, excuse me, but a little bit more veteran group uh, with Derrick King behind center um, for them. So I think that'll be a, a, a little bit tougher game, but I expect them to win it. Um, and then, obviously, that Texas A&M game and Auburn game, both on the road. Um, they should be Auburn, but that Texas A&M game—it's going to be a different Texas A&M squad. Um, Jimbo, if we remember that game in Jimbo's first year at Texas A&M, playing Alabama, they were actually able to hang in there for at least a half before Alabama kind of took over. So um, Jimbo has probably been the guy, other than Kirby Smith, that's that's an ex, you know, saving um, coordinator that has been able to keep games close with him, or at least try to. So um, I, that'll be a good game to watch for sure. Um, if I had to lean towards one side here, I would say under 11 and a half. Um, new quarterback coming in, a lot of different pieces you're having to mesh in. Um, it, it'll be interesting, but I would I would slide to the under just because at 11 and a half, you, you expect him to go undefeated. It's a long, grueling season, so I'd lean towards the under here. Um, but with that being said, we'll move on from Alabama and go to Arkansas, sitting at over five and a half games. I'm not at a conference schedule, Rice, Texas. Georgia Southern and Arkansas Pine Bluff, K.J. Jefferson returning to play quarterback first three games at home, followed by three on the road, including facing Texas A&M, and then they follow that with three straight home and then tough road trips to LSU and Alabama before coming back home from Missouri to close the season out. What are your thoughts on over five and a half for the Arkansas Razorbacks?
2: No, I actually think that they get a solid five wins, including but not limited to Rice, (laughs) Texas, and Georgia Southern. I think they go 3-0 and to start the season. Obviously anyway, you like, think
1: you, you think Arkansas is gonna be Texas?
2: I'm very low on Texas. I am very low on Texas. Your
1: hate, your hate for John Kreveling and the, his Texas <laughs> longhorns no,
2: I, I'm are through concerned.
1: the roof. I've I've never seen somebody be such a hater, be such a horns down guy. Like yeah. if there was a definition of horns down, it would be Ethan's face with the horns down on it.
2: Oh Yeah, no, don't worry. I root for any team that goes against Penn, too, just to, like, make Ben upset. Like, we are doing Creating Madness. We're going worst four conferences, college basketball. We're putting the Ivies in last just so that we can screw with them. But I think that they get those four wins, and then, hell, you could throw in an LSU or a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss win, and they're they're going to win one of those three. They're not going I give,
1: to. I'd give them Ole Miss. Uh, I'll, I'll give them yeah. Ole Miss.
2: I, it's going to be one of those three. Hmm. But, yeah, yeah, it is.
1: It is a good case. Um, I kind of look at this schedule for Arkansas. I and and I, I'm a, I'm honestly not not shocked if they if they go with the under. I mean, looking at their schedule, they have they have a tough schedule. They obviously they don't have Felipe Franks anymore as a QB. The QB is KJ Jefferson. Don't really know a lot about KJ Jefferson. That's why I'm rolling with the under. And you also have to look at – you're in the SEC. It's it's going to be – it's a tough conference to play in. And I just think under 5.5 for, for Arkansas, I feel like it makes sense. I feel like they're one of those if – it, if it were at 5, I think you could go with the over. But with it being 5.5, I don't see where you could pick out a sixth game for Arkansas to win. That's why I'm going with the under. Yeah.
0: I think uh, bookmakers hit it right on the head here with five and a half. I, I keep looking at their schedule. I keep coming up with either five or six wins, one of those, one or two of those being a toss-up. So um, I think they got it right sitting here at five and a half. Uh, Kendall Bryles returning as the offensive coordinator is a huge plus for them, um, even with having to replace um, Felipe Franks at the quarterback position. K.J. Jefferson was there before. Um, so he, he knows how to run that system now. He's been able to sit behind Felipe Franks, see how it's run um their schedule is hit or miss here um but they've got pretty much every single starter returning they've got 17 total starters returning so that bodes well for them so i have to lean to the over here um at five and a half they may be pulling out that they necessarily shouldn't and maybe that is texas like like ethan was saying who knows um but i I like the over five and a half here for arkansas
2: for sure uh moving into auburn a team that i'm pretty sure that you are actually high on over under of seven wins Mm. All right. Looking at the team, just going into their roster, that quarterback running back, too, is going to be the main thing to look at. Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby. Bigsby, he's one of the better running backs, top 10 in the entire NCAA. I personally have him third in the SEC. But Bo Nix, freshman year, SEC freshman of the year, one of, like one of the better ones. What are you going to say about that? Oh, Knicks, can you do it? I'm looking at their schedule. You have Akron. It's Akron. Alabama State. Penn State's iffy. Georgia State's a win. LSU's a maybe. Georgia's a loss. Arkansas's a probably win. Ole Miss is a win. Mississippi State's a win. South Carolina's a win. That's seven. So I'm the bookmakers got it right on the nose, just like Caleb said last time. I'm getting seven or eight. I'll go over just because this is the Auburn team that could potentially beat Bama.
1: Ooh. Potentially a team that could be Bama. I'm writing I'm writing with the Ooh, I mean, you do have it on the money. I could very well see seven wins. But I just I just don't know with I just don't know with Bo Nicks. I mean, you talk about he has fallen off. I do remember freshman year when he had that game winning game winning pass against Oregon and we thought this kid was something special and he had a good season but he's he's pretty much declined every year since and I, I don't know I don't think if he can keep it up. I mean you look at Penn State they're 19th ranked who knows what Penn State looks like week three but you also have to think it's at Penn State on a Saturday. That's a wide out game. You mean to tell me Bo Nix is going there during wide out and you think he's gonna get a win there at Penn State regardless of how they look I don't know I mean, because if there's one thing I know, college atmospheres on a Saturday night, they hit different. Like, like I mean, we're talking when Florida State was in its heyday, Saturday night at FSU, you ain't going to get a win at FSU when when you had Jameis Winston there, slinging it down to Kelvin Benjamin. You weren't you weren't going to get a win on that Saturday night. That that just wasn't going to happen. That's kind of the same thing with the whiteout at Penn State. That whiteout is flowing Saturday night. It's going to be hard to get a win regardless of what your team is. It's going to be very hard to win there. You then got to go to Death Valley at LSU. That's I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I mean I mean you may have a better chance of 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 Caleb's dog running around and being a good boy than seeing than seeing Auburn than seeing Auburn beat LSU. That's just not going to happen. And then next week you got Georgia lost. Then you play then you got to go to A&M. That's gonna be another L. And then on top of that, you close out against Bama. Now, like Ethan mentioned, they could pop the upset against Alabama. But I just don't think it's gonna happen. I, I mean at Bama, they're they're just they're just rolling. Like they they are the team to beat, the defending national champions again. So I, I mean, I look at they do hit it on the money with seven, but if I had to ride with the over or an under. Most likely, the under at seven wins, I would say, would would make the most sense. Maybe just barely slide into a bowl
2: game.
0: Yeah, um, new new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and Bo Nicks. I don't I don't know how how that's necessarily going to work out. I have no trust in Bo Nicks. Last year is supposed to be the year he took a leap. He actually regressed, in my opinion. Um, having him come back, I don't know if that's if that's the best thing. Maybe we see TJ Finley take over in the middle of the year, depending on how the schedule goes, but. I think this is pretty uh, slammed shut when it comes to what to take. And that's the under one, under seven here um, for Auburn. Just too many things not going in in their direction. So I'm going to ride with the under here for the Auburn Tigers. And then we'll head into the other other Tigers here um, in the SEC West. And that's going to be LSU sitting at over or under eight and a half wins. Non-conference looking like at UCLA, McNeese State, Central Michigan, University of Louisiana, Monroe. Quarterback is Max Johnson. Um, obviously Miles Brandon's broken arm puts more emphasis on the quarterback position and now Max Johnson being the starter. So with that being said, um, what do you guys think at eight and a half wins here for the LSU Tigers?
2: Well, I'm just going to say right now, there's only two or three players that I like on this LSU team and they're all on defense. Ali Gay, Eli Ricks, and obviously Derek Stingley. All three of those players have top two rounds potential, but... Just looking at the schedule, I think it's going to be more of an individual season performance for those players and not a team winning season. UCLA, I like DTR. I'll give them the win over LSU. Especially, yeah, it's in the Rose Bowl Stadium. Yeah, I'll take UCLA. McNeese State, all right, you guys get your first win. Central Michigan win, Mississippi State win. Auburn, I, that's iffy to me. Kentucky, you guys should beat. Florida, you guys are probably going to lose to Ole Miss, five. Bama, loss. Arkansas, six. Monroe, seven. A&M, loss. I like the under here.
0: Yeah, I don't
2: don't think they can get nine wins.
0: I'll I'll take it from here and let let Matt finish up with his team since LSU is his team. I'm going to go under eight and a half um, as well. I I don't see it. You're bringing in... A new offensive coordinator a new defensive coordinator it's going to be a mess you lost terrence marshall jr on the offensive side of the ball tight end eric gilbert nobody knows what the deal is with that obviously him transferring over to, to georgia and then not being on team right now um the past defense last year ranked 127th nationally obviously you got Derek stingley jr back there now and like he wasn't there last year um but i don't think one player can absolutely start there the running game was a mess last year and then you're having to play a quarterback and, and Max Johnson that's unproven at the SEC level of play. So under eight and a half here seems like a pretty safe bet to me.
1: I'm going, I'm going different. I'm gonna go with the over eight and a half. I I look at this schedule, I kinda I kinda like the schedule that, that LSU has. I, if we're being honest with you, their only toughest games that they have to face is Florida, Alabama, AM. That's it. Those are th- those are the only three games that, in my honest opinion, are, are going to be the toughest games. And, and in my honest opinion, I feel like LSU can't beat Florida. If Florida can't beat us when we're banged up at Gainesville, I'm sorry. That's Florida ain't going to beat LSU. That's that's not going to happen. It's at Death Valley. It'll most likely be Saturday night. And I don't know what it is. I I just feel like I feel like LSU is going to bounce back. I I feel like the kind of roster they had last year it was. A lot of unknown guys because they LSU came off one of the best seasons, one in their program history and two in college football history. It was very hard to top those same standards that they set.
0: And now you look you at this year, have, you didn't even have to top them. You just had like obviously that wasn't going to happen. You just had to be a, a mediocre football team, and that wasn't even the case.
1: Well, we were we we were five hundred. We were we went not good last year. I, I will give you that. We had we had some bad losses, ter- terrible losses, but. I I feel like you had you bring back most of the same guys you had last year. It's it, it wasn't like it wasn't like you had a lot of turnover. You're bringing back most of the same guys, and I I just simply look look at this. I just simply look look at this schedule, and I I just like how how they match up against certain teams. I I don't feel like it's one of those like harder schedules. Like I like that you don't have to go up against a team like a Georgia or 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 another top ten team like. You're the only two top 10 teams that you got are Alabama and AM. Those are – I can pretty much guarantee you the, the, those will be two losses. Like th- those are the two losses for LSU, Alabama, Texas, AM. You can pretty much book it. But the rest of the schedule looks very winnable. And especially that game against Florida, a lot of people are going to say Florida could, could win that game. But I want to say don't sleep on LSU against Florida because a lot of people did that same thing. With Florida and LSU last year, what happens? LSU pulls off the upset with, with their starting quarterback, Max Johnson. So Max Johnson, yeah, he did have a limited experience. But one of his experience was beating a sixth-ranked Florida team last year. So he knows what it takes to beat a top-caliber team in the SEC. It's just a matter of can he pull it together for a full season. That will kind of be the toss-up in the air. But I also just feel feel like Ed Ogeron is going to come back with, with some vengeance. I mean he he was not good last year. Obviously had a lot of players go to the draft. His offensive coordinator Joe Brady went to Carolina. He had a lot of turnover. He had a lot of turnover last year, and a lot of things did not go his way. His QB Miles Brennan gets hurt. He stuck with TJ Finley, Max Johnson, who are, who are unproven. He would, he he got dealt a lot, a lot a lot of hands, a lot of cards, and it did not perform well. But I feel like this year, with everything kind of seeming seemingly on un, under order, you have your you have your set QB in Max Johnson. Even though Brendan got hurt again, at least you have your set guy in Max Johnson, who Ed Odron believes in. I mean, you saw Coach O in the SEC press conference. He says that we have two we have two potential QBs that could potentially win the national championship. Now it, it won't happen because you got to go through Bama or Clemson. But he says you have the capability, which means he has he has belief in his QBs. He has belief in Max Johnson, so you know he's gonna try and lead them to some success. That's why I'm going with the over. The over of eight and a half looks good. Whether whether they get nine or ten, I think the over looks looks fantastic.
0: All right, um, you know it could be a, a hit or miss there for for the LSU Tigers. But moving on, we got Mississippi State over under six game. One of my favorite head coaches, Mike Leach, still there at Mississippi State, out of conference games, Louisiana Tech, NC State, at Memphis, and Tennessee State. Three of the four games are at home, including an early road game at Memphis. Um, they also get to host Bama and LSU, so that bodes well for them. But then they have to travel to a and and Auburn, and their last two games are at home. They got a QB battle going on with Will Rogers, as well as Southern Miss transfer Jack Abraham. Year two for Mike Leach. What are your guys' thoughts on over six wins or under six wins for the Mississippi State Bulldogs?
2: You know, I actually like the over here. I think they have five very winnable games, and then they have three or four questions. I like Mike Leach. I like the air raid. I think you have your guy at quarterback. You don't have a transfer now. I'm really excited to see what Mr. Will Rogers can do. And along with that, I mean, you have a relatively young team. You have a couple of your starting four wide receivers being sophomores or younger, then you have your quarterback running back being a sophomore. Yeah. And you have your cornerback number two, Emmanuel Forbes, who I personally have as top 20 corner being a sophomore. So they have a young team. I could see Mike Leach taking this team on an LSU-type run like Matt has his team going, but in two years.
1: Hmm. All right. I, I I look at Mississippi State, and, and I kind of agree with you as well, Ethan. I feel like second year under Mike Leach, I do believe they, they will hit the over because they're over under six wins. I do believe that they can hit the over. And uh, I, I just think I just love Mike Leach's energy. I, I feel like he personally can be can be that guy to maybe turn Mississippi State around into into like a respectable team. And I wouldn't be shocked if they just barely hit the over, whether that be like sliding it over like seven or like seven wins or so. But over under six, you could hit the over, and who wouldn't want to hit the over? Because you got you got Mike Leach. You just love love the kind of energy he brings. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, Mike Leach is the over king, especially when it comes to over points in a game. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna sit with you guys and go with the over as well. I came up with six just looking at the schedule myself, and there's probably one in there that they win that they they might not, you know, are, are aren't expected to win. So um, I like the over six there for Mississippi. State. I, I actually would say that's probably my favorite play out of all these SEC over 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 under win totals is Mississippi State going over. Mike Leach, another year in that air raid system. Will Rogers obviously coming back. That's huge for them. Um, you know, they they started off really hot last year against LSU. And then they, you know, kind of fell off a bit. But now they got a different quarterback in there um, than they had that start of last season. And, you know, Will Rogers ended out the season. But um, Will Rogers, I, I expect a lot from him. Going to be able to sling the ball around the field. Mike Leach is going to let him, whether he throws picks or not um and you know they're gonna win that way so they've got a little bit of depth a little bit of experience it'll be interesting to see what happens i expect a lot of points for mississippi state now it's going to be able to see whether that defense holds up um on that end of things but i like them to reach over six wins here uh either right at six or sitting right there like you said matt at seven wins and with that being said probably um we got two more teams here um the next team up is going to be the old miss rebels under lane train there in Oxford, Mississippi, over under seven and a half wins, non-conference games against Louisville in Atlanta, Austin P, Tulane, and Liberty. And obviously a lot of people's maybe underdog for the Heisman, depending on how Ole Miss's season turns out. Their quarterback, Matt Correll, coming back again. What are your guys' thoughts on over under seven and a half wins for the Ole Miss Rebels there in Oxford, Mississippi?
2: Well, this is my second favorite under bet only behind Vanderbilt is their Vanderbilt. I have them getting at most seven wins. I could see them getting as low as three or four, but my, I think they go six and six this year. I think Liberty is a very tough non-conference game for them. I think Louisville could potentially be a very tough non-conference game for them. And then you also have to deal with the tough in-state Egg Bowl. You have to deal with Tennessee hoping to get a win. LSU wanting to actually make a name for themselves. Auburn wanting to prove that Bo Nix can actually play. They have so many tough games that are close. And then you also have the two obvious losses against A&M and Bama. It's not looking good for this team. I mean, obviously, if they are able to get a 10-win year and Matt Corral can look like baby Jesus, then you know what? Give him the Heisman. Why not? But I got them going six and six, and Corral being a fifth round, sixth round quarterback.
1: So, yeah, I, I agree with you as well, Ethan. I, I'd go with the under. I mean, they're they they look like a five hundred team. I mean, if they were to maybe be above five hundred, it'd be like seven and five. That that's about it. Like they're they're pretty much a five hundred team. And looking at their schedule, you got those tough games against AM, LSU, Alabama. And th- those are just games that teams are ranked in. And then Mississippi State, that's going to be a tough one. Auburn is going to be a tough one. You can make the case for Tennessee just because it's at Tennessee. If it were at Ole Miss, it would be a different ball game. But at Tennessee on the road, going to be hard to win those games. And, and just look at Ole Miss and, you know, Lane Kip is going to have them boys competing. But I think they'll just finish at 500, like Ethan mentioned, 6-6. Six and six.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting right at eight wins for him. So I'm going to go over um, looking at the schedule. I I don't know why I'm a big link kipping guy. I I like what he does. I love the energy he brings. I love the things that he runs um, from from an offensive standpoint. I think I think he's great at it. And so ultimately what it's going to come down to is, is the defensive side of the ball. They were very lackluster, especially in the secondary last year giving up tons of yardage in, in in over the passing game. So that's going to have to be something that they have to figure out coming into this upcoming season. But I have a lot of faith in Lane Kiffin. I have a lot of faith in Matt Corral. I mean, Matt Corral threw for 29 touchdowns last year, um, and you can only see him start to improve at, uh, another year in Lane Kiffin's offensive system. Yes, he's losing um, wide receivers in Elijah Moore and Kenny Ebo, but he's still got Datario Drummond and Braylon Sanders who are coming back. After pretty decent seasons in their own right last year, I've got a lot of a lot of confidence in them. They might start the year off 0 and 1. Louisville's a tough team. Um, their head coach there is pretty good. I'm a very big fan of him. And then after that, you win your next two games against Austin Peay, two Lane before heading in the bye. Go 2 and 1. Bama start 2 and 2 after that. Arkansas 3 and 2. Tennessee 4 and 2. LSU 5 and 2. Auburn 6 and 2. Lose to Liberty, go 6 and 3. Um, lose to the Texas A&M goes six and four. And then I think you went out your next two games against Vanderbilt and obviously the egg bowl against Mississippi state. And that puts them right at eight wins. So I I think seven and a half is probably the right number. Either take it over or take it under that. That's your, you know, your choice, your opinion, but I like the over just because I got a lot of trust in Lane Kiffin and what he's got building there in Oxford, Mississippi. But that leads us to our last team and perhaps the second favorite Um, to win the SEC West behind Alabama. And that's the fighting Jimbo Fishers there in College Station in Texas A&M. Over, under nine and a half. Non-conference games look like Kent State. Colorado, which is going to be played in Denver, not actually at Colorado's um, home field. New Mexico and Prairie View A&M. QB battle, we got Zach Calzada and Haynes King. So a new quarterback going to be coming in there for Jimbo Fisher. Not like that's ever been a problem for Jimbo, as he's been known as a quarterback whisperer when it comes to the college game. Um, their first true road game isn't until October 16th against Missouri. Even though they do play Colorado and Denver, I don't expect that to be a huge deal unless he's just not prepared to play at that altitude. Um, they get Alabama at home, which is a huge win, and then two home and two road games in November, which is a pretty pretty you know, decent schedule for, for the Aggies. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on over under 9.5 there for Texas A&M?
2: I mean, they have the best running back in the SEC, and in my opinion, the second best running back in the entire NCAA, and Isaiah Spiller. So I like this. I mean, you're having a fairly easy Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico starting. Then you got Arkansas, Mississippi State. Only Bama is a guaranteed loss, in my opinion. I think they could beat every other team on the schedule and go 11 and 1. I think yes, that potential to drop one, maybe LSU, maybe Auburn, maybe Missouri, maybe whatever. But I'm going with they're gonna get at least ten wins. I think they can go eleven and one. I like the Aggies this year, and I like Jimbo Fisher.
1: One hundred percent agree, Ethan. I, I I got the over as well. They they have for sure one guaranteed loss, and that's to Bama. Other than that, every other game is. Fairly winnable. As much as I want to say LSU gonna be AM, no, that's that, that's not gonna happen. It's it's a very different LSU team than in years past. I feel like Jimbo Fisher hasn't prepared. And you also have to look at where the college AP has them ranked before the season even starts. They're right there at number six. So they're 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 in a comfortable position to get in the top four. That that's why it's very important. With how the college AP ranks these teams to start the season, because I mean, you you look at you have Georgia who started at number Georgia started at number five, which most likely means that's basically the committee saying, hey Georgia, if you got a loss and your only loss is to Bama, we'll sneak you in at number four because we got you at five beforehand. That's gonna be that could be very well the same case with A and they got AM ranked at number six. They're, what the committee, in my opinion, is telling AM is basically saying, hey, we 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 know that you're gonna have one loss this season to Bama. But if that's the only loss that you got, that that number four seed is right there. We could we we could slide you in at number four, and people aren't gonna have a problem because it's AM. We we don't got no problems. So for Jimbo Fisher and AM, that's gonna be your pressure and also. I want to see how A&M plays against Alabama because we've seen two sides. We've seen them play close to Alabama, and then we've seen them get absolutely obliterated by Alabama. There's no in between. So I'm very much looking forward. Now, what's good about this game is it's at College Station. It's at A&M. That's going to be the
0: only advantage they got. It's going to be rocking.
1: And and if there's one thing that's be, for A&M they A- They're
0: going to be coming in there 5-0. and
1: yeah, they're they're coming in there red hot. You're probably get they're probably going to both be top five at that time. I wouldn't be shocked if A and M moves up to Georgia's number five because Georgia has to play Clemson week one. They're most likely going to lose. Most likely going to take a slight dip. A and M will probably take them at number five. You know that sort of ordeal, but you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good competitive matchup and for A and M. If I were Jimbo Fisher and the boys, obviously you have to have the mindset of going in to win the game, but you also have to look at it and say, keep it close. If they could keep it one score game or even 10 points, the committee is going to look at that and say, hey, you know what? You may have lost to Bama, but it was only a seven to 10 point loss. We could sneak you in at number four just because you kept it close to Bama. Why not have you guys rematch in the semis and go from there? But if you get blown out again, if you lose by like 17, 20 points, that's not going to be a good loss. Yes, it is the top-ranked Alabama, but 17, 20 points, I don't know. I don't think the committee wants to see that in the semifinals because we've seen almost every year, almost every year since the college playoff has been inputted, there's always, one, there's always one semifinal game that's good and one that's just a flat-out embarrassment. Why are they even here? You could pick it out every year. Oregon against Florida State the first year, complete, utter blowout. Alabama versus Washington. Alabama versus Michigan State, utter, complete blowouts. Even Bama, when they got revenge against Clemson, it was a blowout. LSU against Oklahoma, that was a blowout. Alabama versus Notre Dame, that one was a blowout. Every year the college football has been inputted, you always have the one blowout, and if you are AM, you cannot afford to be blown out against Alabama because the committee is going to look at that and say, we don't want to have a blowout game in the semifinals. We we don't want to have a national championship game set and stone at halftime. Cause if we're being honest, that's how it's been pretty much the entire college football playoff every year. We think it's going to be good. We think it's going to be a good matchup to go in. But then when it's at halftime, you're just like, well, looks like this team's going to the national championship to verse set other team. So, that's the only thing I have to say for AM. You could you guarantee them to hit the over, like, like Charles Barkley says. Guarantee. Guarantee on the over. But for AM against Bama, you better play your best performance of the season. I don't I don't care if you lose to Bama. We can understand that. But don't lose to Alabama by 17, 20 points. Lose to them instead by a field goal or five points or seven points. Because then the committee is going to look at that and say, you know what? You may have not have won your conference, but your only losses was to Alabama and seven points. Why not slide you in at number four and why not get that rematch?
0: Yeah, um, I think what it comes down to ultimately for Texas A&M is going to be the play of their quarterback in the offensive line. Um, they re- only returned one starter on the offensive line. Four of those they're going to have to replace. Not a lot of continuity there for them. And then the quarterback position, who's going to be throwing the ball for him? Um, You know, Trey, Mon's not there anymore. um, So you you can't rely on the veteran leadership of that. So you're going to have to kind of build on that. And I did say before this that Jim Fisher is the quarterback whisperer and shouldn't have a problem doing it, but it's still a tall task. It's not an easy thing to replace him. I mean, you saw him do it with um, Jameis Winston and then later on with DeAndre Francois when he was at Florida State. Let's see if one of these guys is able to do the same thing there with Jimbo that he was able to do when he was at Florida State and that's gonna be the biggest question mark other than that I think the schedule lines up perfectly for them to just take one loss and then run the rest of the schedule um I like the over nine and a half I think that's fairly simple to go ahead and hit for them um but it's going to come down the quarterback play because if the quarterback play is not there and not ready for big moments in SEC games then it can go downhill really fast um it, that pressure can get to you it's a lot more pressure than so they say so playing in the ACC. you got to have this guy ready to go, game in, game out. doesn't matter who your opponent is. They're still SEC-caliber caliber players. Most of these guys, a lot of these guys, go into the NFL, and it's a proven fact based off of statistics. Um, that's just how it is. You're going to be going up against the top of the top, and that's something that Jimbo is going to have to get these quarterbacks ready for. Um, I have a lot of utmost respect and belief that Jimbo can get that done and have his quarterback ready to go. There's going to be mistakes made early, but that's why the schedule is set up for them. To make those mistakes early on against opponents that they should still be able to win against with, you know, mistakes being made by the quarterback. To be able to get in there at 5-0 and and face an Alabama team, and now your guy's ready to go, has the utmost confidence in himself going 5-0, and has already made mistakes, learned from them, and now has Jimbo's utmost confidence in them as well. So I think they might have a chance to beat Alabama. Do I think they do? Probably not, but you're right, Matt. If they keep it close against Alabama, they'll be that fourth team. Um, ultimately, even if they don't make the SEC championship, team, um, championship game, but think about this: what if Alabama falls at some year? What if Bryce Young gets hurt? What happens then? Um, what happens if Alabama drops two and the only loss for Texas A&M is against Alabama? And then Texas A&M gets in the conference championship game and loses? Then what the hell are you gonna do? You know, like it's gonna be a complete
1: here. here here's one thing I will say to that. If AM gets lucky, Bama loses two games, but AM blows it, you won't see an SEC team in the top four. I'm sorry. I'm in the mindset of Which if would you be got the two, first time. It, it, if, you got, of if you got two losses, I don't think you should be anywhere near the top four, regardless of what team you are. Because you look at top four, in my opinion, is pretty much slated for undefeated conference champions and maybe make a case for a one loss team, but that was because you lost in that championship game to said team that's in my opinion what the top four is all about if if there's a team from the sec that has two losses and they win the championship game i'm sorry you're you're not in the top four yeah you're sec but you're not top four you're new York six you're 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 number five number six you're you're not top four because i mean regardless like if if it's a top four squad i think those are just reserved for conference champions and maybe a one loss team like a Georgia or AM. That's about it. Just because the conference is so good. Now, maybe you can make kids for Oklahoma, but I just look at Big 12 is not, is not really a good conference. It's pretty weak. Uh, if we're being honest here, the Big 12 only consists of Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, and maybe Oklahoma State. And that, that's about it. Four teams in the Big 12. SEC, you got a whole lot of cases. ACC, you can make a case. Clemson, North Carolina, maybe sleeper FSU, maybe, but yeah. but, <laughs> but 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 for the most part, ACC, it's pretty much Clemson or bust for for the top four side of things.
0: But and then, um, yeah, yeah. It, it it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the SEC West. Obviously, your two juggernauts there are Alabama and. Texas a and but with that being said, that has been our SEC preview as well as our win totals for every single SEC team. Went a little long here with you guys, but not a big worry. We're still finishing up at a reasonable time. Um, we thank you guys for joining in. If you've been watching us, you've been seeing the ticker go down at the bottom, be sure to check out every single one of our sponsors, whether that's heading over to our USN shop at teespring.com backslash stores back backslash unwrap to get all of your unwrapped sports merchandise and apparel if you're a gambling person, um head over to mybookie.ag. Use code USN100 for double your first deposit. Put in fifty dollars, get fifty dollars in free play from my bookie. And also head over to rxhemp.com and use code rxhemp-USN for ten percent off every single one of your purchase, guys. It's all natural CBD pain relief cream, hot and cold remedy. It's good stuff. I use it all the time, so it's amazing stuff, guys. Head over there, check out all of our sponsors as well. Um, and, and, from there guys, I just want to go ahead and give off a quick sign off uh, for myself and then I'll send it over to Ethan and let him sign off for you guys as well. You guys can follow me at CHS Null right there next to my name on Twitter. Um, also follow Saturday standouts on Twitter as well. Just look up Saturday standouts. You'll be able to find us. i um, trying to revamp that, trying to get back into the social media game, especially on Twitter. Um, so you guys keep an eye out for that coming up soon. Go check out all of our recent, uh, recently uploaded podcasts on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at you can find us so go check us out on that if you're unable to catch the live stream um with that ethan anything else you got to say give any shout outs you know give yourself a nice little plug here or there if you need to
2: Yep. uh follow me like it says on the screen at ethan underscore Carboni on twitter i always tweet out anytime i'm on a new episode of one of my three shows sending it over to matt
1: all right twitter handle down below at matt underscore Instagram, i underscore square 20. Check out my sports podcast. Me and my great friend Caleb Conant do called MCS Real Sports Podcast. Talk all things sports-related, you name it. It's available everywhere. There's a link tree in both by Instagram and Twitter bios, which gives you access to where the podcast is available, which is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Like Caleb mentioned, wherever you get your podcasts, It's there. You just have to search up MCS Real Sports Podcast. As always, Caleb and Ethan, is a pleasure to be on Saturday Night Standouts with college football around the corner. I'm pumped to see the crowds at college football, the tailgates, all the crazy shenanigans that are about to go down. It's going to be exciting to see who the top four teams will be by season's end.
0: Absolutely. it's gonna it's gonna be a thrill. um fans back in stadium, hundred percent capacity in most most areas. so that's gonna be exciting to see, respect big crowds, loud crowds, and exciting college football season. I know Ethan's pumped. I know Matt's pumped. I'm pumped myself. We're just a little over a week away from these games being underway, guys. Super excited about it. Um, with that being said, Matt, thank you for coming on as always. We always appreciate your insight, especially when it comes to not only college football but pro football as well. you got tons of insight on that. Um, So thank you, uh, Matt. And then thank you, Ethan, for always being my co-host. And um, with that being said, guys, this has been another episode of Saturday Standouts.